Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Hi, and welcome to the Christmas Time in the City podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm also your host, Chris. Before we get started, be sure to follow us on social media. We're Christmas Time in the City podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and our YouTube channel. Be sure to check out our website, christmastimeinthecity.com. That's where you'll find our show notes, videos, and our interactive maps featuring filming locations and iconic Christmas attractions throughout the city. And as always, feel free to email any questions or comments to us at christmastimeinthecitypodcast at gmail.com. Well, we're halfway through November. We're pretty close to Thanksgiving now, which is great. Yeah. Which is surprising that we've made it through November. It's been a fast month. It's gone by faster than I thought it would. Yeah, I feel um, that I'm not prepared for the holidays. I thought every year it happens where I'm just like, I'm going to get everything done early. And now it's mid-November and I haven't really done anything. But we decorated. We decorated the apartment. We have a bunch of stuff up. We don't have a tree yet. We'll be cutting the tree down after Thanksgiving. I'm sure we'll talk about that more later on in a Mm -hmm. future episode. We have our village to put up. We have our village to put up as well. Which will probably happen this weekend. Yeah, I'm very very excited excited about that. that. we (laughs) got to get that thing going. But we've done some festive things. We did some this past week. Yeah, we did a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. We went to Six Flags for their Holiday in the Park Yeah, it's event. Really We've done this for a few years now. Yeah. They just decorate with a bunch of lights everywhere. They have this amazing tree when you first walk in. They have a bunch of different performances throughout the park. But yeah, I thought that it was it was pretty good. You can tell that they had to cut things and do things a little bit differently this year. But mm-hmm. I think it was definitely worth it. And we had a good time. Yeah, there, it wasn't a full house by any means. It was a really nice evening. Yeah. We had to get reservations ahead of time. That way they can kind of cap things. They mm-hmm. had a bunch of employees just wandering around telling people to keep their masks on or put them up. Yeah, I did hear that quite a bit. Yeah. It was nice, though. Good. Keep it safe. <laughs> yeah, we got to keep it safe. Just be respectful of other people. Agree. But I did like that they did. They actually limited the amount of people in the park. Yeah. I think that we went to the zoo during the summer and we made reservations and I felt like it should have been like that where there wasn't a lot of people and it felt like there was way too many people when we went. The zoo during the summer was very busy but we also speaking of the zoo we went to the Bronx Zoo Mm -hmm. for their holiday lights. We did. It's a yeah they they have a bunch of different lanterns. Yeah they have lantern trails and Mm -hmm. you can go check out stuff and everything's lit up really cool at night. The one thing that I found a little bit distracting was you really couldn't see any animals, which is fine, but like you would just see like kind of the blackness yeah. of like the prairie, like where bison were probably at. And just it's weird to know that there's a bunch of animals that are probably staring at us. And they're probably also looking at all the lights and trying to figure out like what is going right. on here. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty bizarre. <laughs> I kept trying to find an animal. We were like, should we just flash our flashlights out in the field? But we didn't, we wouldn't be able to see anything. No, we didn't bother so. them. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was good. And that that was very socially distanced. So yeah. compared to what it was like in the summer, there was barely anybody walking around. Well, there was people walking around, but you know what I mean. Very spaced apart. Uh, so I thought that was really nice. But it was just really nice day to or nice evening to walk through the zoo. And there wasn't really too many zoo things per se. But the light, uh, the lanterns were really cool. They were all shaped as animals and really bright and exciting so good for us for starting the holidays off (laughs) yeah we had fun we did some stuff we have a bunch of other stuff planned but we'll get to that later Mm -hmm. on before we get into the news stay tuned after listener mail for an interview with chris livingstone about his book santa inc it was a lot of fun to talk with chris and if you're looking for the christmas spirit check out his book it's a great read i have finished it now since we've recorded this conversation so i can verify that it actually is very good nice 
and stay until the end of the podcast to hear from a couple other Christmas podcasts that we think you're going to want to check out. Cool. So without further ado, let's just get straight into some news. I know everyone's waiting for it. It's time for the news. So let's talk about the news. The big story. Everyone knows they're reading it in the title of this episode's podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're not. It's no surprise. It's about the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. It's here. It arrived. It's getting decorated. It's here. They picked it out Mm -hmm. from upstate. Mm-hmm. They lugged it down. I think it was about a four-hour drive. Uh, yeah, it was about a four-hour drive. And once they put it up, there I guess there was a lot of social media feedback about how kind of drab it was, like bare, not really much going on with the branches. Yeah, almost um, as if they expected it to come fully decorated and right. luscious like you would see a normal Christmas tree. Yeah, I don't know. It's not a fake tree. It's a real tree. So it has, it's not going to look as like big and full as a fake tree would look. This is a real one that just got cut down and traveled quite a bit to get to New York City. So they're adding branches to it, which they said they've been doing every year. Somebody that works for them that's worked there for 19 years said every single year they've added branches. So this is anything new. Just to fill it out. Yeah. People are saying, you know, it's 2020. This is the tree that we deserve for this year, all that kind of stuff. But it's no different than any other year, really. People are just seeing it beforehand and relating it to what's been happening. People are trying to make memes. People are trying to make memes out of our tree. To enjoy the the holidays. I think they need to leave our tree alone. Yeah. Leave our tree alone. I did think it was funny that uh, the tree (laughs) tweeted. You know, uh, it was Rockefeller Center, but in the voice of the tree, it says, wow, you almost look great after a two day drive, huh? Just wait until I get my lights on. See you on December 2nd. That's true. That's fun. So speaking of December 2nd, that's the lighting of the tree. Yeah. So they're still going to do this, uh, the whole ceremony on TV. Everyone's going to be able to watch it. They're just not going to have a general public viewing of yeah. the performances or the lighting. And we'll touch a little bit more on that when we find out more about who's performing and stuff, but. It is nice to know that something's still happening. And a lot of these things, like the Thanksgiving parade, it's going to look very similar to people that aren't from or aren't living in New York City because it's, right. it's just going to look like a television production. But it's here it's going to be magic, baby. It's going to be done all differently and people are going to be distanced and everything else. So. Yeah. I did see also in the next, uh, in the coming weeks, they're going to be announcing how the public will actually be able to view the tree because I don't think that they really want crowds still around the tree because even if it's not the, during the lighting, it gets very busy around there. People trying to take pictures of the tree. You know, they're trying to get by the ice skating rink, all of that stuff. So in the next few weeks, they're going to be announcing how they're going to have the general public come and view the tree. So it'll be all lit up and nice and everything by December 2nd. So we'll keep you posted on on that, how to see it if you are here or what they're doing, just because it's interesting to know that it's going to be something different. You yeah. won't be able to just walk up to it and take pictures like normal. My guess, I don't know if I would call it an educated guess, but my guess at this point would be that they were probably going to shut down 49th and 50th Street, Mm -hmm. the upper street and lower street that sandwich in Rockefeller Center, so that they can have more people come in and walk down the actual street itself as opposed to the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. And they may have some sort of lineup like they do a lot of these other places, like they'll have like the markers on the ground, like every six feet, so people can kind of go through and flow and get a picture next to it but right. the crowds there normally are usually pretty nuts yeah so it's not going to be like that which is fine honestly as someone who's kind of antisocial to begin with it's so nice to not <laughs> have to like be cramped next to people granted i'm sure i'm going to get tired of it i already kind of am i'm excited about the opportunity later on to possibly be closer to people but i'm not quite there yet <laughs> oh geez yeah. okay also another thing about the tree i'm sure 
If you've been keeping up to date with the Rockefeller Christmas tree, they found a little owl in it. They found a little owl who rode the entire way mm. into the city. That sounds like a cute little children's book waiting to happen. I'm sure that someone is feverishly writing that <laughs> as we record this. It might be me. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, I don't think the owl had, didn't eat for a couple days or drink because it was obviously trapped in the tree and realized his home was going to New York City. Uh, so they obviously they they brought it to a wildlife specialist and they're feeding it, eating all the mice it could possibly eat, making sure it's it's hydrated, and they're gonna release it back into the wild. Yeah, that's, hopefully that's it nice. can find its home again. <laughs> hopefully that it's actually from upstate and it didn't just fly in when it landed in Rockefeller Center, because otherwise they're just gonna take some city owl four hours up north, which would also be a good children's storybook, I think. Yeah. <laughs> But that's about the tree. As we get closer, we'll know a little bit more, like you said, about the celebration and how people will view the tree. But that's what we know as of now. Cool. All right. So that being said, let's head over to listener mail. You've got listener mail. So we have another question from Benji Pearson, who just recently won the Christmas Time in the City mug Congrats. giveaway that we just did, which is awesome. Thank you for submitting a review. It's all it took to enter the contest. He got a bunch of stickers and some other stuff, and was hap- we're happy to get him some cool things. We're happy to give anyone some cool things. If you want to get a sticker, just make sure you rate and review the podcast, and then let us know, and then we'll send you stickers, and I'm sure we'll have another giveaway at some point, maybe before the end of the year, who knows, but if not, certainly towards the beginning of 2021, we'll have another giveaway with some fun stuff. Yeah, and if I know you, you'll probably have another sticker by the end of the year. So I already have one sticker idea that I need to of course. print out. <laughs> So Sticker Mule better be ready. If, they, if Sticker Mule wants to sponsor this podcast, <laughs> I got to figure out how to get them to listen to this part of the podcast. Yeah. He's, uh, anyway. He's very into the stickers. I just like they look stickers. Great. Stickers You're are doing fun. A good job I'm having it. a good time. Okay. <laughs> so what's the question? Benji asked, well, actually started with more of a, a statement. Uh, thanks for taking the time to talk about Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I think we actually talked about this a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm. but we didn't actually answer the question, I don't think. No, we he just said went his, into He said his uh, great-grandparents had immigrated to Bethlehem. He didn't know there was a German Christmas market there. Are there any other fun places near the city? And there are. First yeah. of all, we should probably mention the German Christmas market in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. We can't go this year. Yeah, we were going to go tomorrow, We were going to go tomorrow, mm-hmm. but we can't because they require a negative test yeah and we just don't have time to do that so we're not gonna be able to go unfortunately yeah we were about to buy tickets this evening and yeah, right before i pressed uh purchase i saw that that was on there I was yeah. like, oh, we do not have enough time before tomorrow to go get a test so and, yeah so we can't do that so maybe next year hopefully yeah. next year we'll get back to the christmas market in bethlehem pennsylvania but we can talk about some other stuff which mm-hmm. we actually already talked about a little bit there's the holiday in the park but mm-hmm. you could possibly do it's around new york city it's fun to do yeah that's at six flags yeah and we also talked about the bronx zoo the mm-hmm. holiday lights out there which is really fun those are all seasonal and you can look on their websites and stuff for information about that uh last year we went to luminosity on randall's island which was really fun it's another kind of a lantern mm-hmm. festival it's pretty over the top it yeah. was a lot of fun last year i'm excited to get out there this year hopefully we can get out there sooner than later i think it starts in maybe a couple weeks, I think. Yeah. It starts, it definitely starts soon. Yeah. We drove by the other day hoping to see some lights up and we're like, why would they have the lit up yet? Yeah, they wouldn't <laughs> we do were just that. really excited about it. My suggestion is if you go to actually layer up and be warm because last year we were really cold 
and not thinking that we were going to be on like a little island around with water surrounding us, which yeah. makes everything it was extra chilly. cold. It was so. chilly. And I think it had Light rained earlier as well. Oh, yeah. It was pretty crazy. It was a little muddy. Oh, Your dad was, was in town and brought a hoodie instead of a jacket. He won't listen to this, so it's fine. <laughs> But he definitely did not prepare for the cold weather. It's one of those things, too, where it's like, I'm sure he knew almost immediately that he did not pack appropriately. And then it, you have to kind of have to ride it out and just be, like, just be cold the whole time and just bury your hands into your hoodie pockets and yeah. just hunker and, down. So we always say it. Please be prepared if you come visit the city. Wear a coat. Yeah. Buy a coat. Mm-hmm. Ask a friend who might have a coat if you can borrow their coat. But you need to have a real coat so that you stay warm. And yeah. buy a comfortable pair of shoes. Yeah, definitely. Par- <laughs> Can I say another thing about? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's just get it out, <laughs> out in the open. One year, when my dad's girlfriend came. I remember she was wearing like these high heel boots, and I was like, "We're gonna go walk around the city today. Are you comfortable with that?" She yeah. was like, "I'm fine." And she was in so much pain, like yeah. halfway through. I think she was thinking it was gonna be more like a Sex in the City, right? Sort of a thing. Yeah, no, it was, like, high, we're high fashion. We're going up and down stairs. We're riding the subway. Yeah. It's just not, that's not the, the life we're living here. Yeah, if so. you're looking for a tour of the city from us, don't wear high heels. I know. Because <laughs> we're going we're to be taking you for a long walk. Yeah, but I thought it was funny. So prepare. That's what we're saying. Prepare. Yeah, just generally be prepared for most things. Yeah. So um, there's another one that we are looking to do. We have to purchase tickets still. I just remembered. So I'm glad we're reading this. Great. But the Jones Beach drive through lights display. It's on uh, Long Island. So we, we saw some pretty good pictures of that. They say, hey, let's talk about Long Island for a second. Okay. Long Island's fun. They say on Long Island. They say in Long Island. I feel like I'd rather call it in Long Island than on Long Island because it's not really like an island per no. se. Like if you were like on the island of, of Honolulu, I can understand that. But if you're on the island of Long Island, that doesn't make any it's, I think people that live on, in Long Island like to portray themselves as islanders. They're like, we live on Long Island. You live in Long Island. It's just a place. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Can we talk about the drive-thru light display now? <laughs> I just needed a vent. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about the drive-thru lights. Uh, we don't have too much information about it. We can update you on what we, you know, what we thought about it when we go through personally. But it does look like a good time. And I suggest everybody get tickets and go there. Because one of the things about these things, too, is if you live close to these things, please go to them. Because you want to support them make sure that they're here next year. Mm-hmm. I think that's the deal with a lot of... A lot of the small things that are happening, the small businesses that are around for Christmas shopping, but also the bigger events, because we want to make sure that we're able to do these things next year when we can actually have more people. So support them. Yeah. Jones if Beach, you're listening to this lights. and you live in or on Long Island, <laughs> I'm appealing to you. I'm sorry I offended your your uh, neighborhood. Check out Jones Beach drive through lights. Yeah. It should be fun. Mm-hmm. And then also a little farther down in Philadelphia, if you don't mind driving a few hours, Sesame Place is doing a really cool Christmas thing. They did something for Halloween as well. That yeah. was a drive-through. I think their Christmas thing maybe. I don't know. They're doing it. both. But you can go to the park during the daytime and yeah. it's Christmas stuff. But you can also do the drive-through, which they do only two days a week. I believe it's either Monday or Tuesday or Tuesday Wednesday. But it's basically when the park is closed, so they can have enough time to get it prepared for cars to drive through. Cool. But yeah, that sounds fun good too. For the yeah. Our young one is uh, at an age where I'm not sure he could make it there and not be super cranky his sleep schedule is a little weird so yeah also we, it's in pennsylvania it's also and we in just pennsylvania that we, can't, we do that. can't do that <laughs> i might well i don't know well i guess we can test ahead of time we just have to prepare yeah. i d- was not prepared for that because it actually started today so i didn't realize that was a thing but check out sesame place if you like sesame street and if you don't then don't bother with sesame place because yeah. you probably won't like it at all <laughs> 
Because that's all it's about is Sesame Street. Yeah. So next up, we have an interview. I sat down earlier this week and talked to an author by the name of Chris Livingstone about a book that he wrote called Santa Inc. It was a really fun conversation I had with Chris. So we'll put that in right now. We're lucky to have a guest with us today. He's the author of a Christmas fiction book called Santa Inc. Full disclosure, I had every intention to read this book before our chat, but this week has been bonkers, so I'm only about halfway through. So hopefully this will be a spoiler-free talk. Please welcome to Christmas Time in the City, Chris Livingstone. Hi, Chris. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Um, I'm uh, enjoying the uh, warmish California weather, so that's always good. Do the winters there get particularly cold? Is it always sort of just 60s or 70s? No, it's I mean, it gets cool at night, uh, but it does it, you know, it always kinds of, it warms up during the day. And I don't think it's I don't think we've had snow in California for a long, long time. Certainly I've never seen snow here. Yeah, I've I've been to California a couple of times and mostly in the summertime and usually pretty brief. So for weddings mm-hmm. and whatnot. Yeah. So I didn't really get to explore, but it's always exciting to get out to new places. We'll touch on on Los Angeles a little bit, but first I wanted to talk about your book. Can you tell us a little bit about it? I can. I can. It's a a novel. Uh, it's really kind of intended for families. So you could I, I read it with my kids and they really enjoyed it. They're six and eight. You, you could read it as an adult as well, I think, and get a lot out of it. Kind of maybe like the Harry Potter style where, you know, it's you can read it as an adult and enjoy it. You can read it to kids or kids can enjoy it, and, uh, you know, just the same. It's really focused around uh, an orphanage. And the central character is called Eric, who is an orphan, who basically discovers that next door to him, he lives in a fairly terrible little orphanage in new york city and next to him though is a giant skyscraper which is the headquarters of santa and all sorts of kind of shenanigans ensue once he discovers that and he starts living a dual life gets to know santa gets to know the way that santa inc works uh, and ultimately changes people's lives for the better both in the orphanage and at santa inc as a result yeah, like I said, I'm about halfway through, but things have been a little crazy lately. So I haven't really been able to sit down and read, especially with a 17-month-old. But I'm definitely yeah, uh, going to fast fast track the second half of this book because I I was re- I, I honestly I don't know if I've read a book in a few months since lockdown. Just because I'm my my wife does most of the work and I just kind of sit at right. home with the baby. So I'm only <laughs> I'm really limited to what I can read on my phone, which is not usually oh, wow, my, yeah. my, my attention span is pretty short when it comes to that stuff. So why did you choose New York? I chose New York because I really needed a city which had was was the center of the business universe and kind of had that multicultural aspect to it as well and was somewhere that was larger than life. And I thought about London for a while because it does have a little bit of that kind of Dickensian flavor to it a little darkness, if you like. But uh, ultimately, I really like the idea of New York. I like the skyscrapers and the almost the concept of endless possibility in New York and then juxtaposing that against an orphanage where really these kids' lives are quite limited, uh, even though they can see outside amazing you know, life going on 
uh, in amazing ways. So, and obviously with the skyscrapers next to them, it, it provided this nice contrast. And New York, I think to a lot of people is really a kind of a mystical place as well. If you don't live there, it's somewhere that everybody knows, everybody understands. Yeah, I found, especially from doing this podcast, I found a lot of people reaching out to us and telling us that they, yeah. they, they always want to go to New York and they want, especially for the holidays and to see stuff. And with this year, especially, it's been really difficult. And then there's a good, uh, there's a good chance rather that people aren't going to get a good chance to come out and see the the, the sites out here. So book like, yeah, books like this and content like this, where we're, it's kind of based in New York, can give people sort of like that kind of feeling without necessarily being here. I actually had a, yeah. someone write me an email a few weeks ago asking specifically about something like this where he wasn't able to bring his family and, and oh, wow. he was asking what he could do in light of that the obvious answer is just watch elf or home alone 2 on repeat but that, usually <laughs> yeah. that can be a little bit wearing so the idea right. of maybe like new york foods or surrounding yourself with kind of new york mm -hmm. content so i feel like yeah. a book like this could really serve as really kind of a cool way to bridge that at least for this year i, I really do like the idea of christmas content that takes place in new york as it builds this world and it's like you said it's kind of like this like imaginative place where people see like these larger in life things. They see the big tree and the ice skating in the middle of New York city. And I feel like that's kind of a really cool thing to aim for and like, a good place to base the uh, story. I agree. I was lucky enough. I haven't been to New York for a while, but I was lucky enough to be there in January just before the whole, you know, pandemic hit. So I, and I really took advantage of it. I was doing some work there, but I also, managed to take like a half a day and i actually walked to washington and gansport street um where this uh is set um yeah it's kind of funny because i didn't really i'm not that familiar with new york so the whole hudson yard development i i really didn't know i'd read about that line that converted subway line mm -hmm. uh, or over overground line i should say uh, which is fantastic. I walked the whole length of that, but I really didn't know about that area. And there's an amazing amount of development gone on there. And um, obviously you'd never get an orphanage at Washington and Gansport these days. <laughs> so it's kind of like a timeless quality to this book, given yeah, that it's set it, in it, that location. In my mind, because I'm fairly familiar with the city, I used to work on food trucks. So I would constantly drive around looking for parking spots. So I found myself in almost every corner of New York City. And that area yeah. specifically... It's it's obviously very built up now, and it's it's much different mm -hmm. than it was back in the day. But I feel like the idea of an old orphanage, like kind of plopped in the middle of it, kind of like adds to the kind of mystique that the, that yeah. the story kind of brought to me, at least, where it just felt like like everything else is just like moved on, and there's still this tiny little orphanage that's kind right. of cranking away. Yeah, it's, it, I, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. It seemed like it was a very specific uh, choice. So the fact that it wasn't yeah. necessarily was, 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 uh, was I was, I was fooled by it. Well, you know what? I, I've always had the idea. I don't know why, but the, the meatpacking district has always stuck in my head. I don't know why it's like a particular part of New York. Just the 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 phrase the meatpacking district has always yeah. been in my head. You know where I actually think it comes from, and I didn't. I don't really even watch this series, but I think it came from Sex and the City years and years and years ago. Um, but they talked about the meatpacking district once in there, and some reason that stuck in my head. And I always thought the meatpacking district is kind of feels like a a rough kind of rundown place, you know where. Yeah you know interesting people hang out and 
insalubrious things take place and all the rest <laughs> of it. And, um, you know, putting a, uh, an orphanage in there. Now, of course, it's so different now. But yeah, like you say, just mi- mixing those two worlds uh, together seemed like an interesting idea. Did you uh, pull any personality traits from people that you knew for inspiration for the book? Or is it all just kind of picking out of thin air when it comes to that sort of thing? How does that process work for you as far as characterization? Um, well, my dad is called Eric. and he, Okay, yeah, uh, that was going to be one of my questions as well. <laughs> yeah. He has an interesting way about him in that he has just an ability to go up to people and start conversations with them and, you know, get himself into amongst things, you know, where he really shouldn't be. <laughs> and sometimes, and he really will talk to, to anyone. In fact, it's, it's kind of funny. You know, he even, I, I was telling my wife about this the other day when I was a kid, we were in Australia and the, and the actor, and we were walking down the street in Sydney somewhere and the actor Denham Elliott, I don't know if you recall him. He's, he was famous British actor. He's in Raiders of the Lost Ark and stuff like that. Anyway, he went, you know, my dad just started a conversation with him, even though he was like, a, you know, just like, what are you doing here kind of thing, you know? And, and, and I kind of put that into the character of Eric in this book because he really just isn't afraid to go and talk to anyone. He doesn't see anyone as better than him. He doesn't see anyone as lower than him. He treats everyone exactly the same. And interestingly, it gets him pretty far through into an adventure just by being open to people. And mm-hmm. that, I think that's really how I, the, the major character that I pulled in was probably somewhat influenced by my dad. You mentioned in a comparison, Harry Potter. And is there any chance that this could be potentially the first chapter of a larger story? It could be. I didn't really ever see it that way. I always kind of thought it was a singular story. Um, but that's not to say it couldn't be. I haven't really conceived of the next part of it. But you can always write a part two, right? Sure. <laughs> as yeah. As you mentioned with Home Alone and all the rest of it, there's always yes. a second story in there somewhere. Or a third or fourth or fifth or sixth with Home Alone. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Absolutely. They're giving Home Alone another shot now, so we'll see. They're. I think they're. They oh, they finished, are. They just finished uh, filming in Quebec, I believe. Well, wow, Macaulay Culkin must be looking a bit old these days. For uh... he's he's more yeah he's rough for wear for sure. I don't think he's necessarily involved. Yeah. <laughs> he'd just be like a pretty boring movie, just a, a lonely person hanging out in his apartment by himself. Yeah, Macaulay Culkin sits in his apartment. Yeah, <laughs> I did a little bit of research because so I wanted to be as professional as possible and saw that you had wrote some other books. How did writing those books affect writing this book, and what did you learn from those books? Well, I've been a a writer. For a long time, I started off writing. In fact, Tantrink actually started as a screenplay. Uh, back in 2008, I wrote it as a screenplay. I was working. I came to California in 2005, and I started working at a small production company. And I was because I was interested in being a writer as well. So I was reading a lot of scripts, and I was writing and all the rest of it. So I actually wrote this and conceived of it probably 12 or 13 years ago and then i just shelved it and and i wrote these two other books called hogtown uh which are available on amazon and um basically what they were as books about becoming a musician because i was i still am a musician in fact i'm going to rehearsal in about half an hour but 
I wanted to write a story about how you would become a musician. And, and that's really the story of that. And that's, and it was set in uh, Illinois. I really am not that familiar with it, Illinois, but I grew up in, in the equivalent of a Midwestern steel town in, the, in, in England. So I kind of transplanted it to Illinois, which I felt would be similar. How do you normally celebrate the holidays now with your family as opposed to how you celebrated them when you were a kid in England? Like how is uh, American culture kind of differ from the British culture's celebration of the holidays? I think we keep it pretty similar, to be quite honest. I We always wake up really early. We Having kids uh, who are a certain age, like mine, you know, under 10, but also old enough to know what's going on is probably the best part of it. So, you know, we set all the presents out. We have a fireplace, so we've got that. We're able to lock into that story, and we just really have a good time. You know, we wake up early, open all the presents. We have probably the biggest difference, quite honestly, is probably the food. Whereas, you know, we might have, we wouldn't, you'd never have like pancakes and maple syrup in England. You might have bacon and bacon and eggs, uh, but you wouldn't have pancakes. And then for the main event of the, the meal, you always have turkey in England, more or less. And, but here I tend to find we have something like prime rib or something like that. And yeah. in, and in England, you'd have the mince pies you have Christmas pudding here. You might have like a pecan pie, I guess, something like that. So the food's different, but I think the traditions we try and keep pretty similar. And then we might play some games. We normally go out for a walk to walk off uh, some of the thousands of calories that we've ingested. And uh, <laughs> But generally, I always feel like it's a great day. I feel like it's a special day when you kind of have carte blanche to just do whatever you want. So we just try and enjoy ourselves as much as possible. And and this year is always, is, is a little harder. My, my dad is not able, he always comes over from the UK. He's obviously not able to travel this year. Uh, and we know, I normally go and see my uh, really elderly grandmother, who's about 97 and her birthday is actually the day after Christmas. So we always make a celebration of that too. But um, obviously like, mo- like many other people, we're all kind of, uh, not really able to travel anywhere. So we've just got to make the most of it. Yeah, we're all kind of just paused and waiting for hopefully next year. But I, I, yep. from, what I, from what I can tell, there is, a, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and hopefully we're approaching it. I hope so. Yep, I hope so. So before I let you go, I was hoping that you might be able to read a little bit from your book, if you could. Yeah, absolutely. You know what, I also, just before I do that, I also have a couple of somewhat funny stories about New York too. Oh, please. Um, yeah so and this involves actually my dad as well so the first time i ever came to the united states i came with my mom and dad and we were on a vacation we came in 1985 and uh, you know new york i think it's fair to say didn't have the best reputation in 1985 it was it was a little you know a little sketchy in yeah. certain places so two things that funny things that happened is one my we rented a car and we drove right into the center of New York. And my dad drove up, it was either Broadway or Fifth Avenue, I think it was a one-way street. He turned into the traffic and drove the wrong way 
up that one-way, you know, huge, huge street, which caused complete and utter pandemonium in the centre of New York. And I remember my, you know, my mum screaming at him as he desperately tried to do like a three-point turn in the middle of that street. And the other thing, which is even kind of crazier, is that we were out and about, I was seven years old, we walked into Central Park at about midnight and and we were just hanging out in central park my mum was on the swings and there's a you know there was there was a bunch of people out and about there you know at that time of night when we got back to the hotel and told people what we were doing they looked at us like we were insane you know like nobody ever goes to central park at midnight but um you know it was fine <laughs> we had a good time with all the people that were there yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't speak for back then because I was, I was in Miami at the time growing up. But I, uh, right, for, for the, the stories I've heard and the things I've seen, it probably wasn't the most uh, safe place to be. But I guess if you're confident yeah. enough and you assume that you, you're, you're giving the aura that you belong there, maybe people won't bother you yeah. as much. Well, they must have thought we were so stupid that we couldn't possibly have anything worth you know, <laughs> like, like maybe it was like your first day of being a right. homeless family. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah it was fine it was a really interesting experience too i love new york it's great i don't get there enough um but hopefully one day i'll get there and spend a bit more time there yeah i have a feeling in the next couple years everyone is going to be traveling a lot more i feel like a lot of people are kind of catching up on their bucket lists so whether people Mm -hmm. are coming to new york or los angeles or people going to alaska who knows i feel like a lot of people are going to start traveling a lot more so that's probably going to be a budding industry i think again yeah i think you're right all right. So if you could maybe read a little, little yeah. bit for us, that'd be great. Absolutely. So this, I'm just going to give you a little intro here. This is the bit where kind of Eric has met a chap called Professor Huxley. This is a, kind of the start of the book um, and they're just getting acquainted. And so I'll, I'll read it to you. What's your name? Eric. Eric. What a splendid name. Norse in origin, I believe. What part of Scandinavia do you hail from? I'm not from Scandinavia, said Eric. I'm from Our Lady of Mercy Orphanage. I was locked in the basement. Sister Prudence put me in there because she said I'm an instigator, and I asked too many questions. Too many questions, said the old professor with a disbelieving huff. How can you ask too many questions? There are more questions than we can possibly ever hope to answer. So how could you ask too many of them? I don't know, said Eric. I don't think the sisters like questions. Professor Huxley pondered for a moment, then was seized by an important thought. Where are my manners? Would you like a cup of tea? No, thanks, said Eric. No tea, said Huxley, looking baffled. How incomprehensible. I did once work on a tea plantation, said Eric, in Darjeeling, but I never got the taste for it. The professor walked over to a small kitchenette that was located amongst the jumble of assorted machinery. That is strange, he noted. He picked up a kettle, filled it with water, and then placed it on a small electric stovetop. Eric took a moment to take another good look around the place. You're a professor? asked Eric. Aeronautical engineering, said Huxley, taking a tea bag and pushing it into a small china teapot. Not that that matters much these days. I'm a toy maker. Did you make these toys? Eric asked. Of course. I design them, I build prototypes, I test them, and then, if they're good enough, they go into production. What do you mean by production? 
They get made upstairs in the factory. Eric's eyes followed Huxley's finger upward, but all he could see was a high ceiling. He looked about the place in wide-eyed amazement. Every nook and cranny was filled with some interesting object. Every color and shape danced delightfully into his bulging eyes. The kettle began to whistle, and the professor poured the boiling water into the pot. He put the teapot onto a tray along with a small cup and saucer, then poured a glass of water. Finally, he opened a large jar and placed two cookies on a plate. He carried the entire tray over to a small table and set it down. Eric walked over to the table and sat down. I must say, said Tuxley, inviting Eric to sit, you did rather give me a fright when you came rumbling down that pipe. I thought it was an earthquake. How can you speak funny? asked Eric. Me? questioned Huxley with surprise. I speak the Queen's English. It is you that possesses the peculiar inflection of the mother tongue. Biscuit? That's not a biscuit, that's a cookie, said Eric affirmatively. Let us be clear on one thing, said Huxley, holding the article aloft. This most certainly is a biscuit, a custard cream, all the way from England, air freight. Do you come all the way from England? asked Eric. Of course I do. And we certainly don't have cookies there, especially with our tea. That was there great. You go. <laughs> that was awesome. You're welcome. Cool. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. Please let us know where we can find you and where we can find your book, Santa Inc. Yeah, you can find me uh, on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, CJ Livingstone. Uh, I'm my website is cjlivingstone.com. Just look up Santa Inc. on Amazon and you will find it right there. Great. We'll put some links in our show notes and then we'll, those will all be available on our website as well. Chris, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I'm really excited to finish your book and I'm excited to kind of add it to my personal Christmas uh, book collection. Thank you and have a very Merry Christmas. And to all the listeners, I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. Great. Thanks so much, man. Thanks. Again, I want to thank Chris for coming on the podcast and talking to us about his book. I really enjoyed talking to him and I really enjoyed his book and I'm excited to have it forever now. Thank you, Chris, for coming on. And that's about it for this episode. This podcast was recorded in our apartment in the Big Apple in New York City. If you like this podcast, do us a favor, take a minute to rate and write a review. Contact us and let us know you did and we'll send you a bunch of stickers. Subscribe now and follow us on social media so we can keep the conversation going and keep you posted about new episodes. Until next time, I'm Chris. And I'm Chris. And this is Christmas Time in the City. What's your favorite guilty pleasure? Is it watching cheesy Christmas romances no matter what time of year it is? For Holly Cuomo and Scarlett Alexandra, this is it. These two host the Netflixmas podcast, where they talk about the best, the worst, and the cringiest Christmas romances from all your favorite streaming services. You can listen today on Spotify, iTunes, and Podbean. And don't forget to check out their Patreon for bonus episodes. Have a very merry Netflixmas and a sappy new year. Hello, this is Adam from Merry Britsmas. 
I am a Christmas fanatic from the UK who thinks that the world needs to know more about the traditions, telly and music that helps make a British Christmas really festive. I look at everything from mince pies, to Boxing Day, to Wham, to Slade, to the Royal Family, to Doctor Who. If you want to find out more about a British Christmas, or you are British and want a hit of nostalgia, check me out at Merry Britsmas. And happy blooming Christmas to you and all. <laughs>